This is the Open Forum Podcast. Welcome to episode 27 of the Open Forum Podcast. My name is Mike Miller, joined by my co-host Mike Martinez to bring you the news, helpful insight, and more from the world of physical education. Happy summer vacation. Well, I, I suppose by the time this goes live, yes. it'll be happy summer vacation. I, well, I'm three days from summer vacation right now. Yeah, we're, we're, we're about there as well, three yeah. or four days. I forget today is Tuesday or Wednesday. T- time is a social construct I don't subscribe to anymore. The days of the week don't matter. Yeah, it's um, like, I think it's still June. Um, but yeah, happy <laughs> summer vacation. Uh, this is certainly a, a school year. That one for the record books. We'll never forget. What, what's that? I said one for the record books. Oh, that is for sure. Well, actually, probably for the history books. Yes. At, at 2020, point. the um, year the world those exploded. Of us in the Northeast are, are finally putting the, the finishing touches on school year 2019 2020. Those of you in the, the South, the, the West Coast, I, I believe most of you finished at least a week ago, ago if not earlier. Yeah. But um, yeah, here we are crossing the finish line and probably have just as many questions now as we did. 10, 12, 13 weeks ago about what physical education is going to look like moving forward. Just as many, if not more. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, even what school is going to look like Yeah, moving forward. And if you're tuning into this show because you think Mike and I have any of the answers, I hate <laughs> to break it to you. You're sadly mistaken. Gravely, gravely mistaken. We do have somebody who, while he may not have answers, he has an unbelievable wealth of knowledge, experience, and he's tied into all the right places to hopefully get some some insight and maybe even some answers. We'd love to welcome the lovely and talented, the one and only Mr. Artie Camilla. Artie, welcome to the show. How's it going today? Hey, doing great. Thanks, Mike and Mike. We are Happy great to have you. Uh, I guess the, the, the first question, the, the, the hard-hitting question of the day, how's retirement going? Hey, retirement's good. I I strongly encourage it to each of you when you get as old as me. Uh, But don't do it before. Well, you you are someone who I take your time. I mean, love what it is you're doing day by day. You're someone who I'm I'm guessing is kind of rewriting the definition of retirement. You've always struck me as someone who can't sit sit still or stay idle for very long. So what does retirement look like in in the early stages for you? Well, for me, it really hasn't uh, been a different lifestyle at all. I retired back in 2005 uh, after putting in 30 years as a physical education individual. And then I started working full-time for our publishing company, um, dreaming up interesting things, the National PE Institute. And so I'm still ticking. I'm still going. I noticed the the NC Shape logo behind you on our on our on your Zoom screen there. I'm guessing you're still very very active with your state organization as well. Yes, sir. So uh, three years ago, I was fortunate enough to be hired as the executive director of NC Shape. So that's our state's health and PE nonprofit organizations. Uh, just a lot of different things. Like you said, I'm I'm a little ADD, and I need. Uh, things to kind of keep my brain going. Otherwise, who knows? Who knows what could happen? I, I think most of us in this profession are. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. The inability to sit still, the... <laughs> right. 
And now you mentioned uh, your 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 brain, one of your brainchilds. You're you're the your amazing National PE Institute, which has been a a summer staple for those who are looking to step their game up, yeah. learn from the best, share with the uh, with the best. Which by the time this episode comes out, traditionally would have been a week or two before the annual NPEI would, would, would have been. What is that process? I, I know you've been toying with the idea of maybe wrapping up the the adventure and toying with the idea of maybe this year might be the last one, what next year might, might be the last one. What has it been like not having that avenue this summer? Right, right. We had, uh, last year we decided that this year would be the last one, 2020. We started in 2012, and so this would have made it nine years. I'm really sad that we weren't able to get together for that last time, but um, I prefer all of us to be safe and uh, with the COVID-19, this is it's not something to be trifled with. However, on the other hand, one of the things we're very, very excited about, Mike, is the fact that Jamie Sparks and ETR, um, which is a health uh, disparities company, are going to take it over. So in 2021, the National PE Institute will most likely segue into something that looks more closely resembling a health and physical education institute, which is uh, really was a dream of mine. I've always felt that we really needed to include health education as well. So it is working out great. Thanks for asking. Yeah, ETR does a lot of good work with health. They're, they're the publishers of the HealthSmart curriculum. So, right. which, is, which is great. I use bits and pieces of it with my classes, so. Yeah, we're so, looking forward in the, to collaborate with them. Yeah. And now uh, the question that I'm sure inquiring minds want to know, with this year being unable to attend, of course, and then it being picked up by Jamie and company next year, will people still get their five and 10-year badges? <laughs> of course. <laughs> I have a whole bag, a bag of them. They <laughs> will. We are certainly glad to hear that. Yeah, if they come. Yeah. Now, I know one of the, the, the huge challenges, especially for an event like National PE Institute, is that even though every state right now kind of is operating on their own based on their region, their, their health numbers, even if North Carolina was given the green light to host an event like this, you have folks that come from all around the country, all around the world, who might not have the same regulations, which obviously puts a huge damper on that. But looking forward to the fall with people who are hosting state conferences, with you obviously being very involved in the North Carolina, uh, in, in your state conference, what, what are some of the challenges and some of the, the obstacles that you're already planning for with regards to state conferences in the fall? Right, right. So in North Carolina, we've already decided to go move forward with a virtual convention. We were fortunate enough to get out of our contract. That's one of the things that, that every state's going to have to take a serious look at because it's a huge hurdle getting out of your existing contract because you're looking at $20,000, $30,000 possibly um, if, you moved to, if you weren't able to get out of that contract somehow. So we were fortunate enough. We got out of our contract. We're uh, moving forward with a virtual event. And since it is virtual, the nice thing about it is that 
it doesn't matter when you have it because we're going to house the videos behind a, a buyer's wall. So you could purchase it and then come back and look at it at as time permits. So it really is really more flexible in many ways. We're excited about it. It's a, it's a very creative solution and a very proactive solution. I, I know I've heard from other states who weren't sure, obviously, as no one is sure what the, the you know the, the climate will be at that time. Some are postponing and moving to a later date. Was that ever a consideration or was it just kind of assume that the, the best and, and, and healthiest option would be just to go virtual? No, we've, we thought about doing that, Mike. We thought about pushing it back into the spring. We thought about just skipping it all together. But it's something that our teachers here in North Carolina really look forward to. And although it's a virtual event, at least we'll be able to gather people together. I think that's important. I really think it's important to interact, even if it's through a chat feature or through something that looks more closely akin to Zoom. But uh, in any case, it's, there's an emotional connection. There always have has been with state conventions, national conventions. So we, we need to do the very best for the teachers that we serve. And we've said that before. A lot of times the, the biggest experience you get from one of these professional conferences or what happens you know, in the hallways and between sessions and yeah. after hours and, right. and, and those experiences as well. I remember one of my very first experiences was just walking down the halls, like Mike said, and you bump into people, you bump into people. These are like well-known authors, presenters, keynoters that you know what they look like, you recognize their names, but to really be there, it's kind of incredible. It's like meeting you for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that was the opposite. I think it I was, was us meeting you for the first time. <laughs> now, that's kind of an interesting dichotomy almost. Cause I feel like by going virtual, you're going to miss a lot of that, that social interaction. And a lot of the, you know, when you see a, a top-notch presentation and then get to, to hang around for a few minutes and talk to the presenter afterwards and make that, that professional networking opportunity but on the flip side, because it's virtual, you might attract people who either couldn't make the trip or, you know, didn't want to or couldn't spend the money to stay in a hotel for a weekend. So you might actually gain more people who are there and find more unique ways to to have that, that social interaction. Has that been part of the planning as well? Yeah, I mean, we've we've discussed that, you know, typically we get between seven and eight hundred people to come to our state convention we can get way over a thousand and we can get a thousand plus because these individuals don't have to travel, don't have to spend money overnight in accommodations, don't have to pay for their subs. I mean, it's, I think it's very realistic to get over a thousand people and it can still be as touching and as uh, interactive as, as a state convention could be, but you're going to miss the face-to-face. -face. I mean, that's that. That's a negative. That's a drawback. And the, I guess the, for lack of a better term, the good news is, is that you're not the only state or the only organization making that decision. Unfortunately, it's something that 
is affecting everyone. I think even if we get the go ahead to return to physical buildings in August slash September, the comfortability of leaving your school campus to go rub elbows with 800 people from other campuses and then come back to your school probably would be frowned upon by, <laughs> by administrators, right? Probably, yeah. Um, but that leads me to my next question. The one that I was kind of hoping to spend uh, a good chunk of time talking about is, I mean, I, I just don't know. I, I think everyone has kind of settled into the idea that PE or school in general is going to look one of three ways in, in, in the fall, right? It's either going to be continuing distance learning in person with social distancing or some kind of hybrid of both. Based on your conversations with the folks at the North Carolina State Organization, your friends all across the country, all, all around the world in PE, what, what are some of your thoughts as to what this could look like in the fall? Yeah, thank you for asking that. I think I'll tell you the most important thing we need to do. We really need to become better listeners. I think there are gonna be a lot of students, children and youth that are gonna be looking to us for answers and we don't have the answers. We really don't have the answers. And so what we really need to do is we need to lead by listening. This may be the first time that uh, I'm encouraging everyone to kind of put down your leadership stick, put that stick down and pick up your listener stick. I think every one of us needs to become a better listener and to really perceive the feelings behind some of the things that are happening, some of the actions that we might see our students doing and just become a good listener. I think that will help to solve and alleviate a lot of the concerns. And I'm curious to, as someone who has probably seen and heard it all in, in the world of education, specifically physical education, what are your thoughts on the quality, I guess, of health and physical education if it does have to continue being virtual for an extended period of time? I think uh, as a health educator, I, th I think that you can do um, just as good and a quality job that you've been doing, but as a physical educator, it's gonna be hard mm -hmm. because we're skilled developers. And if we can't use a ball or a racket or something to uh, increase our students' motor skills, we're going to have to rethink what we're gonna be doing during this time. It might look like a little more health-related fitness. It might look like a little more dance without touching, you know, dances without partners, line dances. It might be a little more aerobic fitness type stuff or individual like jump ropes, individual jump ropes. But team sports, eh, I'm not quite sure because uh, we won't be passing the ball back and forth. There's just no way. Yeah, I wrestled Definitely. I wrestled with that this year because I, I, I teach both health and PE and mm. my learning curve and my, my learning curve for PE was much steeper than for for my health classes my health classes was hey business as usual you know right. readings interactive presentations questioning like that was all there 
and as far as my PE classes go, I had to I had to dig a little bit deeper to to still deliver that that quality that you know my kids my kids deserve for me. So yeah. it'll be very challenging. And I feel like that considering what we were talking about offline earlier in this time of you know drastic widespread budget cuts there's even more of a of a critical need for us to be able to provide more than just a 20 or 30 minute fitness workout because that's something that could easily be substituted with a youtube video or uh you know a, a beach body on demand program but to continue to be able to deliver skill instruction it's going to be challenging, but but with some some brainstorming and some work, certainly could be possible with all the technology that is available to us these days. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's we're just going to have to be a little more collaborative and start to pick up ideas from people all across the United States and around the world. I mean, there 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 are two really cool Facebook groups that have popped up, and those of you on Facebook, you know. You could see, I mean, they're, they're out there. Um, health Teacher Central is a phenomenal Facebook group for health educators. Um, we at NC Shape are actually, we're going to be interviewing uh, a former North Carolina-based PE teacher, Daniel Inman, who's teaching over in Germany. He's been teaching the last two months, practically, and he's going to share his experience with us on a, another Zoom webinar that's coming up sometime in July. It'll be very interesting to talk with Daniel. Absolutely. If you can get us the the, the link for that information, we'd love to share that as well. Sure. Um, yeah. I know uh, we, we mentioned in previous conversations that this, you know, in, in trying to look for silver linings during this time, I feel like this has been such a, a boom for, for creativity, but also for sharing as well as people are coming up with new resources, or in, in this case of the conversation you're talking about, someone who maybe is on the other side of the curve than we are, who can explain what the, the re-entry phase has looked like. Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited to uh, sit down and chat with Daniel. Yeah, we're excited to hear that. Speaking of, of, of hearing things, I one of the meetings that I had earlier today, I was, I was lucky enough to pop into Kentucky Aphids, they, they have these town hall Tuesdays led by Jamie Sparks and LaDonna Porter, Robin Richardson, a few others. And they're kind of starting to discuss with, with their members what reentry could and, 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 and should look like. And I know some folks are looking now more than ever for advice on advocacy. How do I advocate for my program when CDC guidelines might recommend that the gym because of its size be used as a socially distanced classroom space, which would then put the PE teacher out on their, out on their account looking for a place to teach. What, what do you recommend for teachers who are looking to continue to advocate for the need for quality PE and for their role in their buildings? Right. Um, just because COVID-19 is here, the need for quality health and PE has not been diminished. We really need to focus in on the fact that of all the content areas that, that should be provided to kids, health, physical education, arts, music, dance, these are things that bring joy to the school. And it's, these are things that all students should be able to enjoy and participate in. So, you know, we're talking about social 
an emotional stress, not just with the teachers, but, you know, with the students and their parents. So there's, I know of no other better way than through the arts, through health and through physical education. So we need to remember that. And it's that socialization piece too. It's such a, such a big part of what school is, you know, as, as a whole for these kids. I know my, my own daughter, she's three years old and she, she's been on like a little bit of a decline. She's, you know, acting out and saying, I mean, she says, no, that's like every other word out of her mouth. Cause she's three, but a friend of hers that's in her class lives around the corner from us. And we had like an outdoor play date and they got to play and socialize and talk and ask each other uh, each other questions and share toys and for the next like four or five days she was an absolute angel so it these kids need to see and interact with other people outside of their home and and that's going to be a big piece not only you know for health and pe and and music and dance and all of that, but just them being back in school with their friends and their teachers and being able to socialize. I agree. And to that point, I know, uh, I think Georgia was the first state to come out and say that not only did did we suspend standardized testing for this past school year, but they're kind of wiping it off for the the upcoming school year as well as we attempt to quote unquote, get back to normal. Are there other areas of education in general or specifically physical education, Artie, that you see as an opportunity to kind of reset and do differently as we enter into this quote unquote new normal? I think we need to take a second look at the role of academics, especially high stake academics accountability. Um, I've always felt that we've taken the joy out of an elementary schools uh, elementary school students life when we just have too much pressure on through uh, through academics and there needs to be a balance Mike there just really needs to be a balance I'm hopeful that we could take a second look at the quality of life the way that it was and the way that it should be in the future schools have gotten a little bit out of out of balance so I'm hoping this allows us and the parents to see the importance of teaching and of teachers in general. So, so true. And I, I know me personally, over the last three months, I keep trying, especially when things get kind of stressful, uh, personally, try to find the silver linings, whether it is, well, you know, I, I, I've had more time at home with my family, or I've had more time to focus on my own personal fitness. I think that's something that can and should be done for the education system moving forward mm-hmm. while it's not going to be convenient and it might require a lot of people to smash the mold into a million pieces and kind of rebuild it from scratch this is an opportunity to look for things that maybe we weren't happy with before and change them change them moving forward there is no going back to the way it was at least not in the immediate future yeah i hope so i hope that uh principals, administrators, superintendents, state superintendents of education, state departments actually take a second look at at what it is that we're responsible for. And who do we teach? 
a friend of mine said, whenever he was asked, what do you do? He would always say, I teach children. It's different than saying, I teach physical education or I teach math. No, I teach children. And that should be the center. That is the center. That is such a, a, a simple yet beautiful <laughs> way to put it when you think about it, right? It really is. I mean, thinking about, again, not just my physical education students, but students across the board are all going to be coming back to school with some level of regression, having no, no matter how rigorous your online teaching was for three months, it wasn't what kids were used to. There was a learning curve with technology. So there's going to be a lot of catching up to do. I think I think you're spot on, RD. I think not necessarily saying that we're going to throw academics out the window, but taking a step back and saying you know, what's really important here, really addressing teaching the whole child is from from kindergarten all the way up through 12th grade and beyond, really addressing the the, the holistic needs of every single teacher and, and and student or student and teacher is going to be should be at the forefront of this rebuilding process. Right, and we've been able to see what the most important things are in our lives, right? With all of the things that have been happening around us, the social inequity, the disparity between racial groups, mistreatment, um, historic mistreatment, things that we now have the ability to maybe address and rectify. You know, maybe the most important thing isn't learning how to read and write right now. Maybe the most important thing is that social emotional connection, sitting down, listening, reassuring students that uh, answering their questions. Uh, a friend of mine was talking about health education class and she said, well, there's two questions I like to ask my students when they come back. Uh, number one, tell me everything you know about the coronavirus everything you know, write it down. Let's, let's talk about this. And tell me all the questions that you might have. We're coming back to school. Here are the questions that you have about COVID-19. Let's talk about them realistically. There's just gonna to have to be a whole new series of questioning and answering and I don't know, just being a parent, being that parent or grandparent to every one of the kids that, that come into our classroom or into our gym. Going back to that idea of advocating for your program, what better person to lead the social emotional learning charge in your building than a physical educator who has already has experience in balancing 75 different hats and being the the teacher, the nurse, the parent, the the the, the friend, the, the you know, what, insert your role here. What better person to lead the SEL charge than a physical educator? Right, I agree. I agree. Isn't it been interesting, Mike? Uh, you've seen all the posts on Twitter and Facebook about the Sanford Teaching Awards. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just really cool. So you have this gentleman who apparently is has made a lot of money in his life and he's decided to give it back. And he's established this whole new series of social emotional learning awards to help uh, recognize teachers 
all across the country. There's one per state. Each each person gets ten thousand dollars. When was the last time a teacher received ten thousand dollars for teaching excellence? And then there'll be a national winner, fifty thousand dollars. It's like the Nobel Peace Prize for teaching. <laughs> and um, what was interesting, I know at least four EE teachers mm -hmm. that were selected at the state level. I mean, it's it's exciting to me, very very exciting to me to hear this on Twitter and Facebook. It's kind of cool. Incredibly exciting and, and about time. About yeah. time that that not only that more teachers are being recognized, period, but being recognized for addressing the whole student and teaching yeah. to those needs that are often overlooked in in the, the, the sake of test scores or, or grades. Right. It's cool. I know one thing that I've, I've talked about recently with colleagues is what role in all this kind of chaos and madness uh, our new first year teachers are gonna have. I, I feel like teaching is a very difficult job for experienced folks, but your first year can be kind of blindsiding if you're not a thousand percent, even if you are a thousand percent prepared for it. <laughs> or you think but you're a thousand percent prepared. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so at, coming into this as a teacher who with no more than just student teaching experience, what advice would you would you give to somebody who's starting this, this profession fresh with all these unknowns on top of the regular traditional unknowns? Oh yeah, well, you know, there's this guy named Mike Martinez. <laughs> there's this guy named Mike Martinez that contributed to a book that we actually are getting ready to publish. It's called how to be an outstanding physical education teacher. Have you heard of that book, Mike? <laughs> I'm vaguely familiar with the title, yeah. I feel like that's a loaded question, Artie. <laughs> yeah, there, was a, there was this guy and he submitted one or two essays, personal essays. And one of the essays that this Mike Martinez guy happened to uh, submit was, you know, 20 tips, 30 tips for being your best if you're a first year teacher. And, um, one of the tips that you wrote about Mike was making sure you got plenty of sleep, <laughs> making sure you got plenty of sleep and rest. And to be that still uh, holds true 10 years later, by the way. Okay. <laughs> and um, don't overcommit yourself. So if you're a first year teacher, make sure you get plenty of sleep and rest. Do not overcommit yourself. You know, uh, we know you like to coach. We know you like to be involved with an after-school program, but just get settled. Just settle in. Um, you're going to be put under a lot of stress. This may be the most stressful year that you've ever, ever experienced. Um, make sure that you drink plenty of water throughout the day. Make sure that you don't get your let your highs get too high and your lows get too low. Try to have a moderate way of viewing things because it's so easy to rely on those high highs, but then you have to deal with the low lows. So just try to moderate. Um, find someone you can talk to. Find a mentor. Find a per person who can allow you to talk. Find a good listener. Find a good listener. What else, Mike? I mean, you wrote about it. Well. <laughs> I don't want to give all 20 tips because that's in her book sales. So. 
there will be a quiz. <laughs> I, I do. Um, I, I can't speak highly enough. And it, it goes against everything I am as a person. But if I had a chance to do it all over again, I think the overextending yourself piece cannot be overstated enough. I, my first year, I was trying to figure out how to teach. I wanted to coach. I wanted to run in, uh, an after-school intramurals program. I wanted to be the specials team lead for my building. I wanted to, do, to be on the the emergency, I don't remember, the emergency like fire drill team or whatever it was called. And before you know, by, by December, I thought my brain was gonna explode. Well, it is important to be involved and make a difference. I think whatever you think your bandwidth is, maybe take one or two things off your plate in addition to that, just to make sure that like you said, that you can enjoy the highs when you have them, but that the lows don't kind of become you know, all consuming and, 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 and sink your, Think the rest of your school year. Because it, it will it will consume you. Mm -hmm. And I think for all of us, we're starting back at zero. I don't care if you've been teaching 30 plus years, you've not taught a year like this. It's going to be a very stressful time. It's going to be a time where you're you need to have that safe place to reflect. And um, you need to cut yourself some slack. Mm -hmm. You need to give yourself some grace, G-R-A-C-E. <laughs> you need to say, so it wasn't my best today, but it was good enough. And I know for some of us, that's hard to say. That's hard to accept. It's, it's hard for me to accept that was good enough for today because I, I, I push myself to being the very best I can be, but it's going to be hard. Cut yourself some slack. I know many of us, I, I, I think I speak for the majority of us who've been teaching virtually for three months now, that as soon as our stepping up ceremony is done on Friday, I'm closing my computer, I'm tucking it away somewhere far, far, far away, and don't want to look at it for you know at, at least at least a month, <laughs> at if, least eight if weeks. not more. But if you still want to have that that reflective piece and want to stay plugged into the game, the the phys ed games, so to speak, when will when can we expect this book to hit the real or virtual shelves, Artie? Oh yeah, so we're actually in the process of getting it done right now. We have the book cover, beautiful book cover. We have uh, thirty nine contributors. To, to this effort, around 200 pages. And so we're hoping that toward mid-July or up towards the end of July, it'll be out. And uh, we'll announce it on Twitter and Facebook and you know all the, all the other avenues, plus yourself, uh, open podcasts. I'm just very excited. I'm very excited. You know, we, we're closing the doors to the Great Activities Publishing Company. This was a company my wife Elizabeth started 38 years ago, Mike. 38 wow. years ago in 1982. We when weren't even born 10, yet. When I was 10. <laughs> yeah, isn't that weird? <laughs> I wasn't even born yet. That's, I wasn't even born yet. Yeah, that's just, that's just, it's funny. So, um, <laughs> so we're closing our doors and we're closing uh, the uh, National PE Institute, but I wanted to have something to kind of hang on 
too. And so how to, how to be an outstanding physical education teacher is that thing that I'm going to hold on to. So we, we have our first edition. It'll be out mid-July, late July. And then I'm hoping to get more contributors so we can add to it and have a second edition and perhaps a third edition. But I want it to be out there to be lasting. These are stories from the heart. These are stories written by real life physical education teachers who have struggles and they're able to share those struggles and uncomfortable moments. When you read some of these stories, you're gonna tear up. You are literally gonna tear up because you know where these folks are coming from. It's really interesting. I mean, as the editor, I just found it very comforting to know that we have such quality individuals out there teaching and serving as role models and mentors to the, you know, we have 200,000 health and PE teachers teaching in the United States. People don't realize that we have 200,000 K-12 health and PE teachers. That's a bunch of us. And, uh, and we need to be uplifted. We need to be motivated. We need to be secure in the fact that it's okay to make mistakes. It is okay to make mistakes because we're growing, we're learning, and we're doing our very best for the students who are under, you know, who we serve under our care. Well, it, cer it certainly was an absolute honor. One, one of the biggest honors of my career to be able to contribute to this book, especially seeing the other names that are involved with the project as well. Again, the title was How to Be an Outstanding Physical Education Teacher, the stories of mad PE teachers who make a difference. Uh, I know Artie's already taking some some pre-sale orders. I've seen those on, on Facebook in the in the various PE groups. So uh, hopefully we'll have a link to add to the show notes to get you on that list as well. If you're looking to pick up a copy, if, if that late July release date still holds true, that's plenty of time to still have your toes in the sand or in the water and get some get some quality reading in as you're still enjoying your summertime and getting ready for the the unpredictable start to the fall school year. There's no reading like beach reading, right? <laughs> <laughs> any any last minute words, Artie? Any, any anything we've left out so far that you'd love to to share with us? Well, one of the things that that I always come back with is the fact that we get to teach. I know a lot of physical education teachers, teachers in general, they'll say. Well, I got to teach today. No, you don't got to teach today. You get to teach. We get to teach. And it, it's an honor and a privilege to have the ability to teach. And so um, I look forward to every day. When I was teaching, I look forward to every day. Now that I'm retired, I look forward to every day. <laughs> <laughs> and it's good. It's all good. I'm, I, I have no doubts that just because you're not in the classroom or not fulfilling traditional roles, your, your job as an educator is not done anytime soon, sir. I hope not. Well, Artie, I, I, I feel like I've told you this before, both in person and virtually. I probably can't tell you enough. Thank you so much for everything that you've, that you've done for our profession, for teachers, for students, and for continuing to inspire and continuing to, to lead by example and showing that teaching is not a nine to five, it's not a September to June, that it's, it's a part of who you are and a part of who we are 
as, as your colleagues and fellow educators. Thank you so much. Well, you're very welcome, very welcome. For those of you who are tuning in, if you have more questions about any of the topics we've covered, whether it's North Carolina's virtual state conference, the release of this outstanding book, How to Be an Outstanding Physical Education Teacher, the stories of mad PE teachers who make a difference, uh, any questions for Artie, or even just questions for the show overall, please feel free to reach out to us. We're always available via email at openforumpod at gmail.com. Mr. Miller and myself are available if you have questions for us individually. I'm on Twitter at FizzAtBreak. And I am at CoachMillerPE. We wish you all the absolutely most relaxing summer you've ever had in your entire lives. Please take the time for some self-love and some self-care and try to unwind from a tumultuous end to the school year as we prepare to, again, make a difference in the lives of our young ones in the fall. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you in preparation of our August episode. Uh, we truly want to keep this show in open forum. Until next time, stay active, everyone. This podcast and all of the great services provided by Open are made possible through the support of U.S. Games and BSN Sports. Every time you purchase physical education and athletic equipment through U.S. Games and BSN Sports, you are supporting a network of teachers helping teachers. Open is a public service organization. Learn more at openphyzed.org.